You can simply just ask. And she goes to me, I have a podcast I've just started and I would like you to be on it. So can we record it now? I was like, of course. I was like, let's sit down. And we sat down and recorded for like 45 minutes for her podcast. I had no idea who Stephen Bartlett was in January. Mm -hmm. Two of my friends sent me his article and it said, Stephen Bartlett makes 1.6 million from his podcast. And so I was already organizing to record podcasts there. And she told me the dates and those were the exact dates that I was going. And I was like, this is a sign. Like then I had to really mentally prepare myself for two things, him saying no and him saying yes. I think you have to always appeal to people's like emotional, empathetic nature because at the end of the day, someone at some point in their life has been in your position of starting out, struggling, needing that big break, needing someone to say yes. Like every single successful person has been in that position and I knew that he had been in that position. And so I just said to him like, I'm gonna regret this for the rest of my life if I never ask you, so I'm just gonna ask you. and welcome to another episode of Figuring Me Out. Today, I'm chatting to a guest who I really wanted to speak to for a long time. Her journey as a podcaster is one that I aspire to. I'm speaking to Shivani Pal, founder of the Millennium Mind podcast. In today's chat, she opens up about how she had the courage to ask Stephen Bartlett, who hosts the Diary of a CEO, to be on her podcast while she was visiting the US. She also shares how she decided to quit the corporate life and do this on a full-time basis and how all the takes on life in general. With that said, let's get into today's episode. Hi Shivani, welcome to Figuring Out. Really excited to have you. A Saturday morning, we had to reschedule this, but I'm so <laughs> grateful, so grateful for your time. I know you've got a busy schedule. So for people who, I mean, I'm sure you've got so many people following your journey now. Um, I'm one of them uh -huh. who's, who's followed you when you had a big, I think about 16 to 20,000 followers and you've clearly blown oh. through the 100,000 followers now. So for people who don't know you, um, just tell me a little bit about yourself because you're not clearly living the dream with your podcast. So let's unpack a few things. Tell me about your journey. Yeah. So essentially I'm a podcast host of A Millennial Mind and I also own an e-commerce business, which is my performance planner. And essentially I was a management consultant for around six years and I started my podcast in lockdown and then it was just something that I really, really enjoyed, but wasn't really getting any attraction until last year when one of my videos went viral and then it all kind of changed for me there. So in September, I decided to quit my jobs around seven months ago now. And yeah, I'm loving it. And that viral video, was that a wedding one where you talk about your views, yeah. about not asking people whether they should get married or not? When are you getting married? Was that the one? Yeah. That was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So when so growing up, I think you said you always you studied law and then you wanted to be a lawyer. And then yeah. you did start in a corporate field, which is something I can relate to. So tell me a bit about your childhood. How were you growing up as a child? Um, I may have heard you on one podcast where you said you were chatty, you were not a shy person. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was always someone who's quite confident in speaking. You know, I was never scared to go up to someone and speak to them. And I grew up in a house with three boys because we lived with my cousins. And so I think they really toughened me up. You know, I wasn't really like a dainty, um, like princessy kind of girl, which is unusual because obviously if you have one girl and three boys, you would think mm -hmm. that the girl is like really spoiled or like, you know, is treated differently. But that wasn't really the case for me. It was very much like I was like a boy. <laughs> and um, 
my my cousins just really you know were very social as well so I was always really confident in in that element of my life but I think you know I struggled in school and, and when I say struggle I think some people think like I used to get E's and F's that's, that's not what I mean mm-hmm. in my like family friends slash family everyone used to get really good grades like all A's and that was kind of the the avenue that should have been followed and I say the word should because we all believe we should do certain things but because I never really got those grades I was like a B student and I used to kind of struggle in school I always used to think I wasn't good at anything um and so for me when I really found the podcast I realized okay maybe I am good at something um and that's why I really focused on that and that's why I really talk around strengths-based leadership a lot is because I believe that so many of us have strengths within us we just don't know how to hone in on them and then accelerate those I think I think that's interesting hearing your journey because for me if anything I was always the A plus student and I couldn't really deal with failures so the moment I had a B like I would cry I get depressed my dad and obviously we, we I have a twin sister so it was the two of us growing up so our education you know was always in peril so my dad would always sit us down and be like that's okay Gemma like a B is not the end of the world so I mean you, you know back in Mauritius we have what we call as a laureate system so basically when you take for your, when you sit down for your A levels you compete for the national scholarship so even if you get so you get rank depending on your stream whether that's economics or science so I ranked fifth at national level for the first time. So I missed the scholarship by one. And I had all A stars, but then I still went back to do my A levels for another year. So you can actually do that in Mauritius. You can go and take your A levels again for one whole year. And I missed it again. And it was like the end of the world for me. So it's interesting hearing your take where, you know, you really enjoy the podcast because that's something where you feel like a sense of belonging. You're really good at that. I hope so. Something I should be telling you. Um, so Stephen Bartlett actually did um, a, a talk in uh, Canary Wharf on Tuesday. So it was organized by Wolf, uh, Wolf mm. Talks. And at the end of the session, we, you know, I was debating, asking questions. And then they only took questions from four people. I guess like there were hundreds of people in the room. And then I saw some people rushing to the yeah. front to meet him. And honestly, I know I've seen him on TV. You've seen him in person. Um, and there was a certain magic I can't explain. This is the first time I've seen people coming prepared. Like people had work on the business yeah. ideas. They had come with like the little package showing him. And he was really spending time with every single person. And I walk up to him and I say, hi, Steven, introduce myself. And I say, I just wanted to let you know, there's this girl, Shivani. I didn't even have to say a millennium line. I just said, there's this girl called Shivani. You said her, you said yes to her when when you when she asked you for a podcast. Just say so you know she's paying that forward by saying yes to me, me like a big enough podcaster. Aww. And then he was so sweet. And That's- you know, I have to tell you, he said I didn't do Shivani any favors because she was on it. So you clearly you That's- clearly made it big. So maybe going back to that moment when you recorded with him, what was the I don't want to say preparation, but what was your gut feeling? What was your instinct that you yeah. said, I should jump on this, I should ask but Let me tell you how this all happened, okay? Because mm-hmm. I, I actually feel like I don't tell the story in detail and I feel details matter with certain things, especially like this. So essentially, I was at work on a Friday, okay? And by the way, I shall start from the beginning. I had no idea who Stephen Bartlett was in January. I had absolutely Ooh, no clue. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my friend, no, no clue. Two of my, this is last January. 
-hmm. two of my friends sent me his article and it said Stephen Bartlett makes 1.6 million from his podcast and both of my friends were like this is going to be you and I was like what the hell who's me who is making 1.6 million pounds from their podcast I'm not even making 10 pounds from it so like what on earth is this I read this article and I was like "Mm, okay interesting let me start listening to him and I've just become obsessed with his podcast I just love the way he asks the questions I found them really informative so every single day I've listened to one or two and obviously has amazing guests anyway so I started listening to these podcasts and I was just like yep love them whatever another podcaster that I really like Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I was following him on Instagram can't remember but then um no I was following him on Instagram because basically on Instagram he said I'm going to LA in two weeks who should I interview and he put like a drop down box now I was going to suggest my auntie Rashka but she's in New York so I thought I'm not going to suggest her New York and LA are far the next day I'm at work I remember this so clearly it was a Friday and I was sitting at my desk and I get a text from Rashma or an Instagram DM being like um should I go on Stephen Bartlett's podcast and I was like huh what um and I was like yes of course you should and she was like and she was like um in two weeks now I had been to LA as a child with my family but never as a holiday And my intention for going to LA was I was speaking to a couple of people in America and I thought, you know, I just want to go there and see. I feel like it's like, you know, I want to go to, but also I want to record some podcasts there. And so I was already organizing to record podcasts there. And she told me the dates and those are the exact dates I was going. And I was like, this is a sign. Like out of all the places in the world, this is 100% a sign that she's asked me by the way she doesn't message me a lot when I say she's my auntie I've met her three times in my life right we literally communicate like one year she's not like my Indian auntie who I speak to every week she lives completely away I met her for the first time two years ago Mm -hmm. so I was like random she messaged me that to ask me first of all and then I'm in LA at the same time so like this is a sign and then I remember that day I was walking home and I just see Huel that's the sponsor so I was like it must be my reticular activating system I then on this is on like a Friday then on the Monday I remember I was at home and then I came, I, my parents had watched dinner and watched Coronation Street and I never watched that. So I never sit with mm-hmm. them. That day, as I was taking the food, I sat with them for five minutes, weirdly. And Stephen Bartlett is on Coronation Street. Like they're talking about him. They're like, oh, have you listened to Stephen Bartlett's podcast? I'm like, what is happening? Like, this is all too aligned for me. And then the next day he was like, how funny I was mentioned in Coronation Street. And I'm like, this is very strange. Anyway, when I found out that obviously I was gonna go with her because I had to ask, can I come with you? She was like, of course, you can come with me. So I was like, great. Then I had to really mentally prepare myself for two things, him saying no and him saying yes. Now, I'm the kind of person that doesn't like to jinx things, by the way, because if I believe something's gonna happen so much, I'm like, oh my God, I ruined it for myself. (laughs) So I remember I bought his book. I was like, let me buy his book. And by the way, this was very quick. It was like in two weeks, it was happening. I also actually changed my flight to like two days before because I was landing the day before and I didn't want to be really jet lagged because I know what I'm like. I'm like, I really can't handle like jet lag. So then I changed it. So actually we were going in like a week. So I ordered his book. And then I remember being like, okay, I'm going to ask him to be on my podcast. First of all, my mom was like, what are you going to ask him for? I was like, I don't know. Then I was like, I'm going to ask him to be on my podcast. And that was my intention the whole time, right? To ask him to be on my podcast. Uh However, the day before I was like, when I interview him, I cannot ask him, like, tell me about your journey. Time. Everybody knows that. So what am I going to ask him? So I basically skim read his book, Happy Sexy Millionaire. I just went through the chapters and was like skimming reading it. I was thinking, okay, what do I ask him? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember 
on the day I said to my boyfriend, I was like, I'm going to take my camera and actually just ask him to do a video there and then. Because the likelihood of me saying to him, when you're back in the UK, can you travel to my studio and do a podcast with me? It's too much effort for him. Mm-hmm. It's making me asking me to ask him to go out of his way. And I was like, I'm just going to take my camera and I'm just going to ask him, can we do a video there? And I mm-hmm. even said to him, I bet you he's going to say my set because I'm taking my little crappy camera. He's got the setup of seven cameras. Yeah. Why would he? Why would he not? You know? And so I remember that I got there and I saw him. And like you said, you know, he's a really nice guy and we got along really, really well. But I wasn't prepared for him to ask me so many questions. Like he was sitting on the desk with, with Rashma and he was asking me all of these questions. Like, so what's your podcast about? And like, what's your lift, like yes. elevator pitch? And like, how many you had? And how many, who's your target market? And I was a bit like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't even know this myself. And then, um, once the podcast finished, I, I actually had to think about the wording of it. And I said to him, I think you have to always appeal to people's like emotional, empathetic nature. Because at the end of the day, and I always say this, is that someone at some point in their life has been in your position of starting out, struggling, needing that big break, needing someone to say yes. Like every single successful person has been in that position. And I knew that he had been in that position. And so I just said to him like, I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life if I never ask you. So I'm just going to ask you. But oh, please can we record a podcast for five minutes? Like, of course we can. And bear in mind, it was like 40 degrees that day. I did the LA hike, the Hollywood hike that day, which is so <laughs> stupid. It took right. me six hours. We took the long route. I was dying. I literally had four coffees before I went to see him because I was so, so tired from the hike. And then, you know, we recorded and it was actually half an hour. And I, I wish, it, and to be honest, it could have gone on for so much longer. He never stopped me. It's just because... Rashma had a dinner that evening right. booked with like all of these amazing people in LA so we had to actually leave but I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe how you can simply just ask and you're always going to be scared like I'm always 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 scared and I think women a lot have these people pleasing tendencies to be like I don't want to be too much and especially someone like me who has always been quite chatty always been quite uh forward I guess and always quite mm-hmm. direct I think my ego will always pull me back to be like you're being too much or you're too abrasive you're too this you're too that and I think I've learned now to just be like okay but I'm just trying like I'm just somebody who is trying my hardest to get what I want and so if you think I'm being too aggressive then that's your problem because I'm not I'm just asking and I wasn't like oh Stephen you have to do the podcast you know I think like if you were like that like and also if I said to him can you come to London and do it with me he would have said yes but it would never would have happened because it's it's so much to ask someone to travel all the way there and to take time out of their schedule and all of that and another thing is as well I didn't ask him immediately when I saw him I mm-hmm. had his book he said to me let me sign it I didn't even ask him to sign it I also took him a performance planner um and that's when he told me he was doing the diary which was really nice to see that he's launched that because yeah, he was like we're he doing has- our own I was like but I think if you go up to someone and you straight away ask them for something they're gonna have their backup you need to build that sort of relationship and you need to also make it easy for them. like so many people now like can I come on your podcast and that's the first thing they say to me and I'm like no like it, it, you only want to come on my podcast because you want clout or you want to you know talk about because everyone's yes. like I've got some really interesting things on this and this and I'm like okay but you haven't told me anything that's different about you and and also you haven't built a relationship with me you've just said hi I want to come on your podcast um I really want to grow my following 
like that's <laughs> I'm not an advertising platform you know <laughs> and I think that you know, intention has to be really really pure and at the end of the day I said to myself before if he said I knew he was going to say yes from the moment I met him because he was so nice to me he was really really sweet but I also said to myself if he says no I have just gone to go and watch the number one podcast in the UK live like yeah. that is a win so I have to be happy with that and I will be happy with that so I kind of just let go of the expectation when I was there obviously mm-hmm. I would have been heartbroken if he said no don't get me wrong <laughs> but I think I would have reframed it in my to always say like at least I went to go and watch him at least I had that opportunity to go and see him I sent so much positivity from you and one thing that you know for for whoever's listening um so you were someone like I really really wanted to talk to from the moment I was like oh I'm gonna do a podcast and I emailed you and and then I had to follow up because I'm sure you get so many emails and then when you replied to me I was actually in the office listening to a podcast and then I replied to you right away I don't know if you have that email but I replied to you saying talking for the power of manifestation I'm literally just listening to you right now and I was like so happy and then I'm like obviously we had to reschedule but do you feel now looking at your journey do you feel a sense of having come full circle this is what you were meant to do yes I do actually I really do believe that you know there is a point in your life where you feel really happy doing what you're doing every day because I'll tell you one thing, there's this myth that if you love what you're doing, you'll never work in a day in your life. It's mm-hmm. bullshit. It's honestly ridiculous when people say that because yes, I love filming the podcast and yes, I love the podcast, but do I love traveling two hours to my studio? No. Do I love doing the editing with my editor and going through every single second of what needs to go on YouTube shorts, the trailer, like 21 versions of a trailer I just did. We just did 21 revisions oh, wow. of mm-hmm. one trailer because it wasn't good enough that like we went through it. I don't love doing that. I I really, really don't. I don't love chasing the guests and going through, like having to organize all of the admin behind it. Mm -hmm. I don't love doing all of the editing and finding the thumbnails and thinking of the captions and the best SEO titles. But even when I have to do all those things, I always remind myself, would you rather be in a corporate job or you'd rather be here? And I would always, always rather be here. And I'm I'm so grateful and so lucky that I get to do this every single day. but obviously there are elements of it that you're not going to enjoy. And that's with anything in life, whatever your passion is, let's say it's to be a football player. It might be when you're on the pitch, you love playing football, but doing the hours and hours of mm-hmm. weight training and following the really strict diet is something that you don't actually love, but you'll do it because your purpose and your mission is really, really strong. And so for me, it's really about that. Honestly, like I really believe that this is what I was meant to do. And I believe that I have always been somebody who has been able to like, help other people find their self in like their voice or the way they speak or you know to cultivate that self-love and I really really want to continue doing that and if you had to start again today knowing what you know having gone through everything the good and the bad what would you be doing differently yeah oh gosh there's I'm going to make a whole video on this honestly (laughs) there's so much stuff I would do differently I think you know when I started this podcast I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea about a brand. I had no idea about a logo. I had no idea about fonts. I had no idea about colors. I had no idea about a cover photo. You know, I knew I knew nothing. And I really wish that sometimes it's a good and a bad thing. Sometimes I wish I was a bit more calculated in terms of like, this is going to be my brand logo and this is going to be my brand color and it's always going to be this consistent. But it wasn't. Uh, even with at the moment with my structure, I think, you know, Stephen has a really clear structure in terms mm-hmm. of like, tell me about your childhood. Now tell me about this. Mine isn't even like that. I just really 
you know, wing it, if I'm completely honest. And I kind of wish that I did have something like that. But what I will say is it's never too late to change. Like I'm doing a rebrand now and I'm trying to get a logo and I'm working with people to come up with different designs and color theories and all of that stuff. So I think it's never too late to change. And you're always going to look back and think, I would wish I did this differently. But actually, I don't think there is anything because I think if I was consistent from the beginning, because that's one of my regrets, mm-hmm. maybe I would have would would have been here sooner but maybe I also would have given up so I don't know you know I really do believe in like the divine timing of everything and I really believe that it was meant to happen at this time and that's why I'm doing it at this time it sounds like reinventing is part of the journey eventually once you get to a certain point but then looking back it's almost like whatever struggles you went through it's part it's part of it and one of the things I struggle with right now, so as we talk at the beginning of the podcast, I'm still in a corporate job. You know, I'm not saying I'm quitting tomorrow. Yeah. But if I were to make money from this, yeah. I'm being very honest, that would be the dream yeah. because I do enjoy it. I do sense that I'm getting so much joy from this. And even just talking to people outside of the corporate field, it's just so refreshing having their take. So when you decided to leave your corporate job, did the monetary aspect come into play? You know, I wouldn't be touching oh, yeah. this consistent stable income stream every month and i know you 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 say yes. you, you leave at home right now so i have a mortgage for instance you know for me like giving that up there's so much opportunity cost that comes into play how do you go about this of course of course so look i'll tell you one thing when i started my job i was always doing other things as well um here and there and, and I, i'm a big saver you know like i was i'm not somebody who actually really goes to any fancy restaurants or does like crazy experiences or you know I am someone who saved a lot Mm -hmm. I have privilege because I live at home and I'm very aware of that I don't have a mortgage I don't pay rent so like that was a privilege that I had but at the end I had to decide okay am I gonna just use that privilege or am I not because it is a privilege and so I have the opportunity now while I'm living at home to make a decision about what I want to do and Last year, actually, and the year before, I wanted to move out. Um, and I am now, which is really exciting, but that's a story for another day. But I wanted to move out, but I was unable to decide of, okay, do I move out and pay this money in rent? And then how am I going to do my podcast? Because I'll tell you one thing, what I used to get as my salary as a management consultant, I pay 75% of that out in wages now for editing and for thumbnails and for logo design and for everything. It is so expensive. And Mm -hmm. so I had to make a decision of what am I going to do? You know, it's not easy to do all of the editing and to do all the thumbnails and to do all the captions and to post on every single platform. I post every single day on Instagram, every single day, sometimes eight times a week, sometimes nine times a week. I post on LinkedIn twice to three times a week, post on TikTok five times a day and YouTube Mm -hmm. shorts three times a day and the full podcast. Five times a so, day. To do all of that five times a day. Oh wow. To do all of that stuff. And by the way, this is on the platform. So if you think about the posting every single day, it's like five, six videos every single day across all the platforms, or more than that actually. Um and so it's really difficult to make a decision about when you want to leave. And and bear in mind, by the way, I was deciding this for a year. It wasn't an overnight thing, and I'd saved a lot of money. And what I said to myself was, okay. I'm not going to get this money consistently, but I have saved this money. And what do you save money for to invest? I can invest in a property, which is what Mm -hmm. I was going to do, or I can invest in myself. 
And I chose to invest in myself because I thought in life, you have moments where you will say, I wish I did that because I loved it and I could have been the best in it, but I was too scared. And everything I was reading, everyone I was speaking to, no entrepreneur ever regrets leaving their job is what someone told me. And And I actually thought, you know what, you're actually so right. I've never met anyone who said like, I really do regret leaving. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought to myself, why don't I try, you know, because I can live at home, it's not like I'm going to be homeless. So let me live at home, try it for one year. And I told my parents, look, I'm going to try it for one year. I'm going to see how it goes. And, you know, it's done so much better than I ever thought it could. I still am somebody who's very money based, by the way, I'm someone who is very money driven, like very, mm-hmm. very much so. And so to take a hit on my salary was a big thing. But I realized that that money from my salary was just sitting in my bank. It wasn't doing anything. So if I didn't have it, it wasn't going to kill me. And it is really difficult like now for me to move out as well whilst being Mm self-employed. It's a really difficult thing. You know, you have to have like, you know, income and proof of all of that stuff. And you have to pay so much money up front. And I'm taking another massive risk at the moment where I'm not in, you know, the best position to do it. But I'm also at the point now I'm like, okay, I was lucky enough to be able to quit my job while I lived at home. And now I'm going to throw myself in the deep end to be like, can I still survive when I'm like literally pushed completely in the deep end? I'm, you know, is, is it possible? And I think it is. I think for somebody out there, if you've got a mortgage, if you've got responsibilities, I would really, really say that you need to make sure that you're, you've built something before you quit. I would never, ever, ever say to anyone, just quit your job. Like people do say that. I never did that. I worked on my mm-hmm. podcast for two years. I was getting an income coming in for two for about a couple of months, but it was stable at that time. And I also was in this point where I saw huge, huge, huge potential with this podcast because I'd already pr- proven a proof of concept. Now, once you've proven a proof of concept, I just needed time. It was impossible for me to push out what I was pushing out. I was still at that point pushing out four videos um uploading every single day on Instagram uploading twice a day on TikTok and uploading I think a couple of YouTube shorts but it was impossible for me to keep pushing and so I just said to myself take a small risk and you know you can take a sabbatical you don't have to quit your job take a sabbatical for three months and see how it goes mm-hmm. you don't have to risk it but if I would really say like for a couple of months save up as much as you can and then take that sabbatical take that risk and see if it works it may it may not did you did you ever feel while starting on this journey of interviewing guests, meeting new people, did you ever question that mm-hmm. your friends might be questioning, like, why are you doing this? Why are you spending time on the weekend oh, rather yeah. than going out? Why are you spending time editing, you know, this podcast? I mean, I mean, yeah. kudos to you. You you said you had 600, 700 downloads. I had like 150 at my peak, but you know, I question it sometimes. Why am I doing this? I have a stable job. I'm enjoying it and, and so on. Did you have those questions? I never questioned it. My friends questioned me. I never, ever, ever questioned it. I never thought like, why am I doing this? I always thought that, oh my God, I love what I'm doing. And I used to also love the fact that on a Friday and Saturday night, I would stay in and do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I've never been a party person. I've never been a party girl. Like I find it very, very hard by the way, to go out. I love being at home and I, I, that is my natural personality. You know, if I have to cancel a plan of going out, I feel so happy and half the time I just make up an excuse as to why I can't go. Right. So 
it felt really nice to be able to do something that I really loved and then not have to succumb to, you know, doing what everyone else loved. And to be honest, at first my friends questioned it, but once they understood it, they were really, they were really supportive and they were very much like, yeah, we get it. Like you want to focus on this, like that's great. I don't think anyone ever thought I'd make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more of a hobby or like a side really hustle. Yeah. But I did miss going on holidays and I didn't miss going to people's things and they would be like, okay, yeah, okay, fine, whatever, we get it. And now obviously everyone really gets it, so <laughs> it's okay. But I think it's important to have the people in your life that you can explain that to, mm-hmm. um, that understand that this is really important to you and this is something you want to do. Yeah, I think at the moment I probably, I guess I can count on my fingers, right? I can, I probably have five people who truly believe in this and they see me setting up the mics, investing yeah. into the cameras and so on, but we'll see. Changing gears a little bit. So you said your reel where you talk about views on marriage and stop asking people about when they're getting married. Yeah. That was the one that went viral. So I think you're like now 29 yes. going on to 30 and you are in a relationship. Um, what's yeah. your view on women of today? What's your view on marriage in general? Obviously, I get the pressure talks as well. I think coming from a brown household, it may not be your parents, but it will be your auntie, it will be your grandmother, like the extended family. That's something that I feel like it's a bit hard to escape. How are you so opinionated in a, in a nice way? I think I just always emphasize that how I find it quite embarrassing if someone is just like, obsessed with the idea of going getting married and that's their only purpose mm-hmm. i'm just like i when an auntie said it to me i'm like is, is that what you think life is is just about marriage i find it quite bizarre i'm always like what like i've always i've always found it very strange that it's seen that a woman's only purpose in life is to get married and the conversations of marriage come up from when they're a child and i think i questioned it so much because a lot of relationships are breaking you know, the divorce rate at the moment is wild, especially amongst a lot of younger people. And when that happened, and that used to happen, I used to always say it's because there's so much pressure on people to get married that they just do it for the sake of it. And then look, three years later, they end up getting divorced. So why is there this obsession with, you have to get married, you have to do this, you have to do that. I want to get married. I've never ever said I don't want to get married. I've never said Mm -hmm. I don't believe in the idea of getting married. I've never said it's a bad thing. What I've said is you should never ever ever rush and you should stop asking people above the age of 25 when you're getting married as if it's just like a thing you have to do because for some people it doesn't work out. And for a lot of people, they get married for the sake of it. And then, you know, they're, you know, perhaps not comfortable in their sexuality or they really hate that person or, you know, they turn to drugs and alcohol or, you know, they cheat. And it's like, why are we forcing people to do something they don't want to do? The option is there. If you want to get married, get married. If you don't have kids, don't have kids. If you do what you want to do, because you're the one that's going to suffer in life at the end of the day, your community is not. Your community is going to get on with their life. But do you think... Obviously, this question may not directly apply to you because you're in a relationship. But do you think it's hard for our generation today? Because I feel like I have friends who are now in the late 20s yeah. and early 30s, and they they want to settle yeah. down. They want to meet. I mean, maybe settling down is not really the point, but they do want to meet someone. They do want to, you know, come back on a Friday night. You've got someone to talk about your day, just chill and yeah. watch a movie. But I feel the dating scene, I don't know if that's just London, but I feel the dating scene is quite hard because there's so much choice. There's so many options. People just want to date, maybe, you know, hook up, but really don't want to have a serious relationship down the line. I just feel like it's it's quite hard in London nowadays. I haven't been single for a long time. I would say it's hard to find people, especially, you know, when you're a little bit older, because 
it is really difficult in terms of what people want, understanding objectives. I mean, I've, I've never gone, you know, I, I actually don't think I could ever go on a dating app or like go on a date now. I think I'd be too scared. I'd be like, I don't know what's happening. Because yeah, you just don't know people's intention. And I think a lot of people, a lot of my friends have actually said that it's really, really difficult to find someone. And people are just very non-committal. I think one of the things that you, you did say was, I think you talked about investing yourself when you had the choice between buying a property yeah. or investing into a property and investing into yourself. And one of the things that I do realize that our generation find it, our generation finds it hard to invest in ourselves. I had a friend at work, for instance, yeah. I mean, uh, coming onto the, the dating conversation, he basically signed up to a, a session with a dating coach. I think it was like hundred quid maybe for one session. And I automatically said, oh, wow, okay, how, how long did that last? And he said half an hour. And I don't know, I just said, oh, that's expensive. And then he put that into perspective and he yeah. said, but Gemma, down the line when I'm like, you know, 35 going on to, you know, he's now in his early 30s. And he said, but when I'm 35, I don't want to look back and say, I had the choice to invest in myself and maybe go through a coaching session, you know, get someone to look at what's lacking with whether that's my dating profile or how I'm interacting with people in, yeah. in the real world. And that changed the perspective for me. That's so true. We find it hard to invest in ourselves, whether that's signing up for a personal trainer, whether that's signing up for a coaching session. But, you know, if it's investing in, I don't know, a handbag or investing in delivery and getting food rather than cooking it yourself, we don't question it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so hard to actually invest in yourself because it's actually a form of self-love. You know, if you ask someone to, you know, buy you a present for their 30th for £100, you'd probably be like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, or, you know, go on a holiday and pay £100 for like a trip or, you know, mm -hmm. pay £100 for your flight. You'd be like, yep, I'll do that tomorrow. But actually investing that into like therapy or in like a coach or a course or something is, is much harder. Do you believe in therapy? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I have a therapist I talk to from time to time. I think sometimes people question like, you know, why do you go for therapy? Nothing is wrong with your life, but it doesn't have to be. I think therapy is an amazing, amazing tool to speak to someone from an objective, objective perspective and for them to guide you. Um, I get it that a lot of people are like very skeptical about it. So yeah, no, I definitely think it's a very powerful tool to help you just reflect and and see where you're going. Skepticism is one thing, but also sometimes people look at each other's lives and they go, well, everything is going well with your life. Why do you need therapy for? But what I like with therapy is that sometimes they just sense there's a door, like there's a little door and they'll open yeah. it. And then it's a, like a wider conversation. Could be about your childhood or something you haven't thought of. So yeah. it's, it's a bit of a trigger point for conversation and reflection. Um, my last two okay. questions. Of all your podcasts so far, was there a particular guest or a particular interview that maybe changed the way you think about something fundamentally? I think definitely with Zizo, who was mm -hmm. uh, the first boxer from the Arab world. I was so blown away by his podcast. He actually asked me to come onto the podcast. I didn't know him, but he was in the UK and he was like, I want to pitch to you. So I was like, cool. And then I got on a call with him and there was something about him that I don't know what it was. And then when I interviewed him, he was so inspiring. He had so much self-belief. And I, I've realized that people who have a lot of self-belief, I'm highly, highly attracted to. You know, when someone is like 
really, really empowered and really believes in themselves, I automatically am so drawn to them. And that's why I think, you know, King Richard and The Swimmers as like my favorite movie ever, because it's all about Mm self-belief. Recently, I just watched Air as well, the story of Nike and, you know, how he had so much self-belief in him. And I just, I find it really, really empowering and so incredible. And I think it's maybe because I didn't have a lot of self-belief in the beginning. And sometimes I still struggle with that too. But Zizo really made this point and he said, what's realistic for you is not realistic for me. So like you may think it's realistic to do two marathons in a day, but Mm -hmm. I think it's realistic to do five marathons in a day because I know my body. I know how I can push it. I know how I can train. So what you think is realistic is not what I believe is realistic. So when you say be realistic, that's your perspective on what's realistic, not mine. And that changed my mind on mindset so much because I just thought that is so true. When someone says, be realistic, it doesn't even make sense because what is realistic? Mm-hmm. Every idea that anyone has ever executed has come from their imagination. Any idea in the whole world. It has just come from their imagination and they've executed on it. You know, if you told someone 10 years ago that let's just say call her daddy who's got a 60 million pound deal with Spotify mm-hmm. from starting her podcast in three years, someone would tell you you're mad. They would say, what are you talking about? You're going to make 60 million from talking about sex into a microphone is mm-hmm. what she, you know, that's yeah, what she said. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, no one would ever do that. And, you know, it's not just that explicitly. Obviously, she works crazy hard and she's amazing. But what I mean is if you told someone you're going to speak about sex during COVID and you were going to literally just talk into a microphone and you're going to get paid 16 million pounds from that one thing. You'd mm-hmm. be like, you're mad. There's no way. But someone somewhere has thought of, thought of an idea. They've executed on it. And now it's a million dollar business, but it all came from your imagination. And that's what he really taught me is your imagination is so powerful and you have to hone in on that and don't let anyone else tell you that it's unrealistic or realistic because it's all about you. That's so motivating. I mean, I think I've, I think I've listened to that podcast. Click on his Instagram for your podcast. I, I was going to ask my last yeah. question, given the title of the podcast is always about figuring out. I don't know if that was your take on something you figured out so far in life. If not, is there something else that you think you have and you want to share with our listeners? I think I figured out really how to just trust myself. I think I've always been somebody who has struggle to listen to that inner voice or struggle to focus on their strengths and I think really really figuring out what I'm good at has been a game changer for me now I actually outsource a lot of my stuff because I'm like I'm not good at it so I'm not going to spend three hours trying to do a thumbnail because I'm actually just going to go on Fiverr and find someone Mm -hmm. to do it for me instead of spending honestly like three hours trying to figure out how to do it so I think it's really nice actually at the moment to just really hone in on my strengths and focus solely on that and then allow everyone else to kind of do. And and very last one, which wasn't part of it, but do you ever did you ever have any controversial take or view that you think looking back, whether that's caused traction in social media or whether you know you've got comments or love or hatred? Did you ever yeah. have any controversial take in the moment that you look back and think, hang on, maybe that's not really No. Um I think that there was one thing though I wish I worded better. And that was about don't, you know, don't give homeless people what's within your realm. And what I meant by that, you know, I think a lot of people took that as I was encouraging drug abuse. I absolutely wasn't. What I was saying is you can't judge someone on the street for taking drugs and drinking because they're in a helpless position and they don't want to be there. And I don't think you can judge someone for doing that. And you shouldn't judge someone for doing that. I think the other thing in that is I said you should give money um, 
and you shouldn't always just give food. But what I meant to say is you should give money because they can choose to buy food or they can choose to buy sanitary towels or they could choose to buy, you know, like a cream or they could choose to buy something mm-hmm. with that money. And I think that wasn't that clear in that video. I don't really the regret the intentions you know, we're And also it's a podcast. It's not a recorded speech. You know, I was on someone else's podcast. I had no control of that editing anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think obviously I do wish I worded that in a, in a different way because I never want anyone to think that I'm encouraging, you know, um, you know, people to take drugs and give money so people can smoke and drink and do all that stuff. That wasn't what I said. I just said that so many of us, you know, in the world do things to self-soothe and numb ourselves. And I don't think we should judge people who are so vulnerable and in a really vulnerable position for doing the same. But I think I could have worded that better. <laughs> I'm sure your intentions were good. And I particularly remember that one too. I've, I think I've listened to most of yours mm. uh, by now. Shani, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Taking the time on a Saturday. If I may, I had a bit of a fangirl moment. I've followed you for quite some time. Really, really Aww. rate your journey. Thank you so much. Appreciate you talking to me. No, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on and you were great. So thanks so much. Thanks, Shivani.